This is Women Authors of Achievement podcast, episode 28, with guest Anita Tillman. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Suvorova, and welcome to today's conversation. Anita Tillman is one of the very first people to advocate for Berlin to become a widely recognized design and fashion hub. In 2002, she kick-started Premium Group, a trade fair concept that has changed the exhibition landscape forever. In 2005, she put forward a blueprint which set the foundation of the Berlin Fashion Week. Today, Anita is once again challenging the status quo and is the leading force behind the very new Frankfurt Fashion Week. This unexpected and bold move we will discuss in today's episode, along with Anita's path to becoming one of the most influential people in the German fashion industry. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. What a pleasure to welcome the trendsetter and one of the most well-known people in the fashion industry in Germany, and not only, Anita Tillman herself. Welcome, Anita. Hi, Daria. Thanks for having me. A few months ago, interesting story, I was interviewing Frank Kunster. He's a renowned artist and a figure of Berlin nightlife. And I asked him about who he would define as a woman author of achievement. And he mentioned you. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> But now back to you. So your background is in textile manufacturing. In fact, you studied textile and clothing engineering. You mentioned you had a few nice anecdotes back in the times. Do you mind sharing those? Of course. I mean, my parents come from Croatia, so I have a typical migration background. I always was thinking, oh, I want to study something with to save the environment, something sustainable that just started at that time uh, in universities to offer uh, these kind of directions in which you can go. But it was very technical, so I, I was not sure. Then I thought I'm going to be a gallerist, you know, supporting young artists. And so I decided to study art. And my dad was, no, this is not a proper job. And you are crazy anyway, and it's hard to control you. If you come into art, and in Düsseldorf at that time, that was the place for the big artists, you know, Beuys and Richter and all the big ones. So, you know, they had, of course, a legend in Düsseldorf. And I understand today as a mom that my dad didn't want me to be in this circle of especially men. So he was begging me not to do so. And then I ended up, uh, I said, okay, fashion. Somebody said, okay, why don't you do fashion? Uh, you're working in fashion. You always have all these jobs in the fashion industry. Do so. And then we, we actually agreed on the engineering. But I knew when I was starting that that can't be my final job or is not my, my place to be where I wanted to be, even though I did everything right. I put the engineering stuff and so on and so on. And then... I didn't want to finish it. So I asked my professor if she can help me to have a kind of a special way out there because I wanted to do business rather than being in, in a factory somewhere in Eastern uh, European countries or Turkey or wherever. And she helped me. So I did a, I worked in a consultancy, American consultancy. So they helped me to get a special during uh, parallel to the, your studies. Yeah, actually, I started there to work. And then normally it was not in the program. Okay, you have, because you have to finish an engineer with this background and the company. So, But I didn't do this. So I went to this 
consultancy, the American consultancy, and they all helped me to get a proper dipping, as we say, uh, as an engineer. And then I knew I don't want to work as an engineer. So this this consultancy helped me basically to start something new when I finished the studies. And so I did. To unleash your inner businesswoman, yes. in a way. Yes. So that's what you said, right? Later you went into consulting and more the business side of the fashion world. So what was your main motivating factor of going into the fashion world and also having that business grip on the side? Good question. I think it was not very clear. In that age, beginning of 20, I didn't have a clear vision or a clear aim. It was just more or less following my inner power, what I was interested in, what I wanted to be. There was also, to be honest, this where my parents want me to see as well. And there was a conflict uh, in between. And there was one point where I said, okay, I'll just go my way. What should I do? As long as I don't end up on the street, they can be proud of me. And that is what I, what I need to do. And then I just started at Wolfgang Job was my first boss. And I went to Hamburg and I started to, uh, to work for doing shopping shops and monolabel stores. There was at that time, uh, many years ago though, middle of the 90s, was completely new. And I remember that I went to a big department store, well-known department store in Germany, and I wanted to sell more or less this shop and shop for the brand uh, I was working for Europe. And they always said, okay, when can we start the meeting? I said, no. Yeah, but uh, who is coming? He said, no one, it's just me. And it was 24. And they said, yeah, but we cannot work with you. So what do you mean you cannot work with me? Yeah, you're a baby. He said, doesn't matter I'm a baby. I exactly know how to do it. I exactly show you what to do. And they didn't want it to work. So then they called in the office in Hamburg. And yeah, she's the one, work with her. And it was co I was completely angry. And I was so, the whole anger in me, you know, and I was so ambitious on the one side, that was overperforming. Okay, so that went all well, and from there on I could work. I still know the people who said no at that time. <laughs> we are laughing today, but it was hard. And it, yeah. they, they realized that, for example, also in fashion, and still is the same today, there are many women, and they are dressing more the women than men. But still, in a management level, there were rarely women inside. They did design and they did communications and PR, but they were not in the, in the board or in the leadership positions, nothing. But looking at your success, you definitely knew your strengths. So how did you discover and channel your strengths as a businesswoman? I didn't channel it. I wasn't aware at all. I just went. Okay, I was just fighting for, for everything. I, that's something I tried to explain to my daughters. Everything we do, either we do it and then we do it properly or we don't. Okay, don't try to do a half or just a little bit. So everything I did, I tried to do it at its best. And that, I think, brought me... Then I made one step after the other, but it was, I would lie today. I would say, oh, I was super aware. I had a career idea where I wanted to be. I didn't. I just, I just went. Okay. And then I came from one job to another. And then on that way, you meet people who you come along with very well or not. And this also brings you in a situation. I love people. I'm very social. So I always I was also lucky that there was someone who said, oh, who's this girl? 
okay, why don't you work with me, for me, or what do you think about this? And then I went step after the other. So now we time travel a little bit to the beginning of 2000s. Do you recall the state of the German fashion scene back then? How did it look like? I actually went off the fashion industry uh, in 2000 because I was so tired from the German fashion industry. Everything looked the same. There were five brands, what you could buy, and it was dominated by old white men in bad suits. They were not even cool. They didn't look like they were not sexy. I mean, it was really bad. So I was so bored. And at that time, Pixel Park came up. That was the first digital big internet agency. And I loved it. And I remember I said, okay, I don't want to do fashion anymore. I just want to go there inside. But I didn't know anything about it. Okay, so I went in a bookstore, literally, bought 10 books about project management and everything I could find about the internet, learned everything, and uh, went to the big two, three companies in Berlin and asked for a job. And one, and then I always said, okay, this is something I can learn. This is something I will never learn probably. But this part I can do better than all of you guys because you are in your tunnel and it's still a niche and I know how the industry works. And then one of them, Pixel Park, said, okay, let's try And then I had Adidas, for example, and we did the first shops online and stuff. And I have to say, looking backwards, I learned so much in this internet agency. So you were building online shops for Adidas, for instance? Yeah, the first ones. We did the first things. So I did the project management. I was talking to the clients and so But that was in 2000, back in 2000. So there I learned the most. And I guess that was also the main step into, or this experience was a step into the fashion industry because I understood that everything we do in fashion, we have to think backwards from the end consumer. Today, every, everyone says, oh, what's about the customer journey and this, you have to think about that and design thinking. But at that time, it was completely new. Nobody was thinking about the end consumer, okay? The brands were selling to retailers and the retailers just put it on place. They were completely clear. It was super clear without having online shops, that everything they present to the end consumer is what they have to buy. That the end consumer is more informed through the internet was not there yet. But that was basically the the key for the premium. And I guess it's still uh, one of the success keys today or success milestones, let me put it that way. So starting from this milestone... Then you decided, okay, let me start Premium Group. How did this come to your idea? How did you start building it at that time? I was always thinking, what are my strengths? When I was that age, end of 20, then I started to think more strategically. Like, what is my strength? What I like to, what what I really like, what I like to do and what I didn't like to do. Because to be honest, also the internet agency at one point sitting in this nice building with super cool dudes, But it was super boring. I wasn't traveling as much. There were no Paris. There was not Milan. The, the, the excitement of fashion, I was missing it tremendously. And I thought, okay, what is what I really like? I like fashion. I like people. I'm super social. But I also want to bring something to the table what's not uh, there yet. And then there were some guys we founded the company with. They had the idea of why don't we do something all together and then... Uh, what about a trade show? 
And then we had the idea of making a trade show and presented it to Igedo, in, which was based in Düsseldorf and the biggest uh, trade show company in the world for women's wear. And we presented our super new innovative concept, thought backwards, and I completely designed things through and everything was, thing. and they just said, okay, nice to hear. Obviously, we didn't pitch well because we didn't know anything about how to pitch an idea. Okay, so I guess we did everything wrong. They were not convinced at all and they asked us to do something else rather than step into this big business and then we decided to go to Berlin and to just start okay and that's how we started in Berlin start your own trade show yes just we said we didn't have any expectations let's start what can happen if we fail nothing okay that was it we we you know what can happen if we fail let's try and that's how we tried and then it went And what I was reading that before the trade shows used to be very segment specific and what you introduced was there were multiple segments at one trade show available. So it brought that kind of diversity of interest of brands of designers, correct? Yeah, at that time, there was also, again, you know, looking from when I put myself in, if I use empathy and the customer journey, then I say, what if I come to a store, what I want to see? 100 of jackets next to each other, or do I want to get a look? Okay, so this was exactly how we set up the trade show. We thought in looks for the client. We were putting men and women brands together, shoes and jackets, everything, and we created a complete new lifestyle and a new look. And it was an inspiration also for the buyers who came with an Excel sheet, they still do, And instead of going from one brand to the others with the Excel sheet and pieces, they all of a sudden they were inspired and said, okay, oh, look, this is the way you can put brands together as well. And that's how we started. And then today I think we are, I can say, the biggest trade show in Europe with Premium and Seek, and we still work and think this way. It's bigger, obviously, but we still work like that. So before we're actually going to talk about some of the vision behind the premium group and the Frankfurt Fashion Week, which I just cannot wait to ask you, I still want to ask you about Berlin. And you've seen Berlin evolving in the last two decades, and you've been part of this Berlin fashion city vibes. How would you define Berlin as a fashion city? What has developed in the last years and what maybe has rather not developed and didn't evolve? Well, first of all, I love Berlin. I live here. I think I ha I'm still having so many nice times. I love this city. Okay. And for everyone who's young, I can just say, come to Berlin, live here and uh, enjoy it. And I think Berlin was good for us, for me. And I was good to Berlin too. So it was a given and taking, I think. And it was a love affair, I can, I can say. What is the problem of Berlin, I guess, still, not just for fashion, but for the whole creative industries, is that Berlin promised two decades ago and even longer, they promised to be the most creative capital in Europe. And they didn't follow up with this. Everything what happening here comes from the people by itself. If there is no organization, there is no structure, it's actually a mismanagement uh, from, from Berlin politics, which is sad because as an entrepreneur, we see all this big potential. There's so many cool people coming here. We educate young people in amazing universities. And at one point they have to leave because 
it didn't develop. It's still, you know, from the fashion point of view, it's still nice because the trends are happening here. You know, creativity always happens when there is no money. And creativity always happens with young people because they are free, mm -hmm. okay, in combining clothes, in, in, in living their lives, and they don't have so many barriers. So that is where trends happen. So it's always nice. We have many designers working for big brands, and they all live here. But no one of them works here because there is no substance and there is no, yeah, maybe also establishment or there is no growth perspective, okay? And it's not covered from the city, which is sad. I mean, we tried it 20 years and the whole fashion scene is moving, okay? And when you're stuck, you have to move. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to Frankfurt. We don't want to stuck. We want to develop and do the next steps. And that's, that's why we are really looking forward to Frankfurt in January. Exciting. So before we speak about Frankfurt, do you see any specific areas, because you are interested in developments, innovation, digitalization, and fashion, do you see where the rise of new entrepreneurs would be very beneficial to shake up the fashion industry that we see today? Yeah, I think the one thing is technology actually helps the fashion. In fact, somehow for, for a strange reason, uh, even though the fashion people are super fast, very entrepreneurial driven, the whole technology and digitalization, somehow they, they missed it. That's why we also offer the fashion tech conference since over five years excluding uh, the pandemic, to bring together the fashion and shakers and makers with the new stars. And I think we did a good job, though. But there is still happening so much. For example, I mean, okay, e-commerce, now everybody understands this, how to use social media, everyone understands this. But there is still a big, big potential in terms of virtual design, uh, VR, AR, And I think that today, for example, every designer who starts a brand should know how to code, okay, should be part of it. I think it's crucial. All the designers now, they absolutely should be aware that there will be in future even more avatars and thinking, crossings with, I don't know, gaming and art and music. And I think it's so interesting, you know, I wish I could even work more. <laughs> far longer in the future because the speed we are facing, how how it develops, it's just so much faster than it's been before. And I think I love it. There will actually be everything upside down. And I hope that we can, in Frankfurt, offer a platform in Germany for Germany where all those people come together. So if you want to see new designers, new stars, Okay, that from, for example, for a virtual and digital design, you should come to Frankfurt. That will be this. We're working on, on that, that this will be like the hub for them. So speaking of the new kid on the block, Frankfurt Fashion Week, it's official that you will be hosting your next premium group trade show in Frankfurt in January 2022. It is very surprising and bold move for the fashion trade show to move to the financial capital of Germany. Do you see, Anita, this potential... Or do you challenging the status quo? Challenging the step, definitely both. I mean, what is time now? You cannot be creative without money. Very simple. If you have an idea and you want, and this is also something what's missing in the fashion industry, that 
we always talk about startups and the fashion industry is to speak still about young designers as if there were crazy uh, kids just painting uh, dresses on the piece of paper, right? It's not like that. So what I want to do in Frankfurt or the whole team we're working, we are bringing the capital power together with the creative uh, scene. So we want to, why not? Okay, thinking of accelerator programs just for the fashion industry. Why not bringing all the money? Okay, and there is money to invest, but they don't know how to invest and where to invest in fashion. Why don't bring this all together at one space? And, you know, Frankfurt is as well. There is a huge interest in fashion. All the stores, they're making tremendous high turnovers. It's ridiculous how high. Everyone loves fashion. It's funny, when I, I didn't go for a long time, then I started to go again, and I'm surprised how the street looks like. Everyone takes it really serious, and you have this so-called Einzugsgebiet, so the whole area about Frankfurt is very wealthy, and they want to do something. That's why we also will do a D2C festival, not just our B2B trade shows like Premium and Seek and everything what you expect. We are building in Frankfurt a platform where the whole city will be involved. So the whole eventization of the city will take part, where we will create a new festival, B2C or mm -hmm. the direct-to-consumer festival, where we share knowledge, where we educate, but we also have fun, where the, a lot of brands who changed wholesale through digitalization to another level, and they will all be able to take part in. So we are in the middle of the planning. Not everything will be perfect in January, of course, but there is a lot of potential from all different levels. And what we did differently than what you said, what we challenged the status quo, the status quo is Fashion Week is defined just by the catwalks. When we talk about Paris, when we talk about Milan, it's about the catwalks and the big 10 designers. Okay, what we think and what we are building in Frankfurt is a platform. Okay, it's a platform where all shakers and makers come together to discuss how to solve the problem of sustainability, how we can bring technology, fashion, textile, everyone together to, you know, to create new group of people where we are not just part of the problem, but we are solving and giving solutions for the industry and for everything that's coming up. It's all about sustainability and we all have to do something and digitalization. So these are the main two topics at the Frankfurt Fashion Week. So we invite in Frankfurt everyone who wants to be part of this movement and who wants to bring something on the table Okay, and to bring the people together. And it's not a competition to anything what's out, out there. It's a new format. This is super important. So we will invite everyone who, who, who wants to be part or who already did a big job in sustainability, for example, put them together, let them talk. How we can bring science together with the industry with the, and how can the creative part bring it to life? Okay, it's nice that, that the um, science have good ideas how to lose problems. Nobody gets it. Okay, there is no communication. Yeah. And it's nice that the designers make stuff and they talk about sustainability, but how we can digitalize the whole way uh, chain value and how we can make the chain value sustainable. So when we talk about sustainability, then everyone talks about the cotton dress. It's not the point, the cotton dress. Okay, it's nice to have, but that's not the point. We don't need cotton, actually. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. about the whole way 
up to there. And this is what we are building in Frankfurt. And of course, we will have fun. And of course, there will be showcases. And of course, there will be a lot of events. All the publishers, they love the idea. So all these Bunte Gala, Vogue, Zeit, FAZ, all these big, big names, okay, publishers, they want to be part of Frankfurt because they know that the value is where the capital is and what we bring is the creativity. But everything is under the big two topics, sustainability and digitalization. I love seeing how you bring and you marry knowledge and capital. And for that, you kind of achieve scalability of it. Yes. And also, as you said, you're completely challenging the status quo for fashion shows, fashion weeks. You're, beca- you're making it a platform for creativity, innovation. How do you pick business partners for such a huge project? Well, the first business partner for this big project was Messe Frankfurt, Detlef Braun. When I started my first job at, at Wolfgang Job, they sold the car, he sold the company and it was in a transition. And this transition was managed by Detlef Braun. So I know him since the beginning of 20s, mid-20s, and uh, for a long time. And I absolutely adore, he's an adorable man. He's very nice. He's a super good manager and uh, I trust him. And when I told him the idea, he was very fast. Okay, he said, okay, that's it. This is what I understand, that we put our brains together. And then he was in just six months, we made it. I think to pick partners is you need to talk. I need to talk to people and feel understood uh, when it comes to vision. And then to break it down, okay, in years to make plans. This is like the next step. But first you need a a, a direction to go. So I need someone who understands this personally and who is also on fire, okay? You need people (laughs) who are on on fire, fire, okay, who love what they do and you, you, you need to do it with passion. You know, all the work we do, you can't pay this work. Really, okay. The passion and the and the joy we are having while working, while meeting people, while doing ten, also while doing ten steps backwards, okay, to, to put one again forward, okay. That all belongs to a big whole experience, and I think this is it, okay. This is what makes it happy, and I I guess that we are choosing people around us who are exactly like this. So you spoke already of some of the people and some of the brands, designers you see at the Frankfurt Fashion Week. But do you focus on the established brands and designers, let's say some of those in Germany and Berlin, or do you also consider the rising stars of the fashion industry? And if, how do you select those rising stars? So first of all, both. Okay. And it's not just about the Germans. When it comes to this topic, like sustainability, for example, Mm -hmm. we have in Frankfurt, we have a cooperation with the United Nations for partnership. Mm -hmm. And we will have a first uh, sustainability award in January. When it comes to such a topic, especially with the United Nations for partnerships, then it's not about being German. Sustainability is not a national topic. Mm-hmm. And it's also not a topic of one party. Okay, we all have to take care of it. That's for sure. And it's interesting how the international brands are reacting on that because they say, okay, this is something we understand and this we want to support. So it's not a question of German brands, to be honest, when it comes to the Frankfurt Fashion Week. And for when we're talking about the rising stars, then... I'm the f- one of the founders of the Fashion Council Germany. I'm not in the board anymore. I can't do the whole work and what I'm doing on top. But I was a couple of years, and we are working very, very close with them together. 
and they choose. They exactly know who to choose and who is in this, who has potential. And they work with the schools and they support and teach them. So we're working very close with them. They already did together with the EU. We had Ursula von der Leyen, for example. In summer, we started the digital version because we couldn't do to Corona. And we launched the Frankfurt Fashion Week studio, with, which is the digital version of the Fashion Week. And there we had, you can check it also online, there we, the Fashion Council Germany was organizing a big conference where, where the EU, where it's all about the new Bauhaus, it's called the new Bauhaus, super interesting, where exactly we do what we were talking about, other than new, uh, Green New Deal of the European Union, what do we have to do and who we have to bring together to make the next steps together. This is like, I think, a big way to go or a long way to go. But on the other hand, there are much more interested parties than we thought it's going to be. And the Fashion Council is doing an amazing job in all these topics, I have to say. Speaking now of Premium Group, what is your long-term vision? Well, first of all, the short-term vision is always to treat every season Needs to be the best season. I like how you start with the short term. It's a short term. First, you need to do the short term. Okay. It's like every season needs to be special and every season has to be really good. Coming back to what I tell also to my kids. Okay. Everything we do, we do it properly as it's the last one, the best one. And on fire. And on fire. So that is how we do. And the long version of uh, vision is, of course, to develop. So we offer already all the stage programs and master classes in education. We're the only trade show doing this worldwide. We are uh, starting now with this D2C and B2C festival and uh, involving other partners, for example, like online marketing rocksters. We're working with Philip Westermeyer and his team together when it comes to B2B with social media. So I think we just want to be, the long vision is being the, the trading platform where everyone has to go uh, to be informed and to meet the right people because this is something we can do the best, bringing the right people together. Anita, your life motto is work hard, stay humble. How do you achieve it throughout this year being extremely busy and balancing many plates at the same time? I think the stay humble, work hard, play hard is clearly something we can do well, but it's also... I think we are all very lucky, also as women. I told you migration background and so on. I know exactly how how great Germany was for my parents, okay, having three daughters and being able to offer us to 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 be what we wanted to be, nearly. My dad tried differently, as you, <laughs> as you know. But in the end, okay, it was just protection, I guess. But we can do everything. We are so free in Germany, to do everything we want. All our friends, they take it for granted. Nothing is for granted, okay? And I think appreciation makes all of us more happy, okay? We are all looking for the big happiness. It starts with the very little things every day. Just appreciate who we are, what we can do, to accept what we can't do, and also to just, yeah, be humble, you know, being happy for what we're getting and the, all the chances we're having. And we decide if we want to use it, if we don't want to use it. But we're in a very, very nice position, especially comparing to all, to many other women worldwide. And um, then I'm super lucky that I have a nice husband 
super lovely husband and two kids uh, who are healthy and we come along very well together. There is nothing I want more, actually. As long as we're healthy and we have two healthy hands, we're going to manage it somehow. And all the other problems you can solve, I guess. That's a very strong and humble attitude. I love it. <laughs> Time for my last question. Um, this is something I address to all of my guests. Who would you nominate as a woman role model and who would you say is a woman who is an author of her own achievements? Well, I think we have a very strong woman storyline in my family. So it was my grandmother, her mom, my mom for sure. And we are very close together and we, we have a strong uh, family relation. But there is also, for example, a boss of mine along the way. She was for one and a half years my boss and she's like my mom nearly or big sister okay and we are still in close contact she gives me so wise sentences on my way and advices okay so i love talking to her but i also love angela merkel i have to say the way and i tell exactly why because she was in this man world and she always managed not to react on this testosterone ego driven man's world, she always manages being very neutral and trying to analyze the situation. And she always manages to stay with the topic, okay, and not to be get emotional. Even, I guess, I met her, uh, luckily, a couple of times, and she is emotional and she's very funny, okay, she's super funny. Uh, but she somehow manages always to bring it back to the point, not reacting, not being emotional. And just focus on what she thought it's right. So now we can agree, was it right or was it not right, or discuss in what, what happened all in the past. But I think she's amazing. And I learned so much just by observing her that, uh, yeah, she belongs definitely to the woman. I think she's amazing. Perfect. Thank you, Anita, bringing up a few names today uh, of the remarkable women. And thank you so much for coming to the studio. I think... We learned a lot about the fashion scene today, what is happening in Frankfurt, which makes me very excited because I think this is the place for, as you said, creating new platforms, creating possibilities when things feel a bit frozen and slow and creating something new and seeing this today, post-corona, I mean, partially, post-pandemic, post yeah. hopefully we're, <laughs> we're, we're over I it. I guess so. It's very inspiring. And as you said, we are just going to stay on fire. And continue everyone working, working, working towards our dreams. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Daria. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening and we're looking forward to being back soon.